Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. And I am so happy that you're here today because God's Word is going to build you up that you will be empowered to do all that He has called you to do and also to become and to be the person that God has called you to be. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. We're going to honor the Lord by receiving the holy tithes and offerings. Praise God. Let's look at two scriptures today that will build our faith through God's revealed will in the Word of God. So we look at God's Word, we study it, it builds faith in us to receive what He has prepared for us. Now Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and He adds, no sorrow with it. Well, the blessing is God's supernatural empowerment upon your life, and it's very, very real. There are two things in the earth that are very real. One is the curse, and the, the curse comes to unbelievers who break God's laws, and it opens up the repercussions of the breaking of the laws of the entrance of the curse. That is a product of disobedience. Now, you also have the blessing. Both are extremely real, the curse and the blessing. They, in a sense, are invisible that uh, it's kind of like the wind. You can't see it, and you can't put it in a bottle, but the curse and the blessing are very, very real. And the great patriarchs of old certainly understood the blessing, and they, they wanted it greatly to be upon their life. Now, because we as believers are in Christ Jesus, all of the effects of the breaking of any law of God and all of the resulting curses and all of the consequences of sin were placed upon Jesus. Now, everybody's consequence of sin was placed upon Jesus, but you only receive forgiveness of sins and his newness of life when you receive him into your heart. And outside of that, you're judged in the eyes of God strictly according to the law. And as even Paul the Apostle said in the book of Romans, the law is written on the heart of everyone. Trust me, you may live on a remote island and you've never held the Bible, but in your heart you know it's something terribly wrong about murdering somebody, taking up a, a big brick and hitting them over the head. That's, that's wrong. There's something written on the heart of every person, even if you don't know the Bible, that says stealing is wrong. Now, you can sear your conscience and become so wicked and so corrupt and, uh, you know, so into those things that you can, you can do it without even an awareness of something, uh, of how awful this is. But, praise God, everybody else, which is the majority, has it written on their heart. But my friends, as believers, oh, praise God, we have the blessing of God flowing into our lives. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, 
Well, scriptures like this I never heard growing up, and I was in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night because my parents were devout believers. But we did not at that time have revelation of these types of scriptures that God wanted us to prosper, that God wants us to be rich. Praise God. So we need to cooperate with God's plan for our finances. We need to know what God's part is, and we, know, we need to know what our part is, what our responsibility is, so that we can step up and be blessed of the Lord and walk in riches and walk in prosperity. My friends, I tell you, when you see a church building on various corners, or maybe not even on a corner, maybe on the side of an interstate, or you see churches, these places and those places, you're looking at the result of tithers and those that have giving hearts. Without tithers, the world would be a much darker place. Praise God. But as you honor the Lord with your tithe, and as you also give offerings as the Holy Spirit leads in the giving of your offerings, I tell you what, God will take you into that place of wealth and overflow that he has already pre-planned for you to walk in, to enjoy, and to experience. And just like Abraham, you're blessed not for self-consumement, but you're blessed to be a blessing. Woo! Praise God. There's no greater joy than the joy of giving. Very quickly, one more scripture. One more scripture. And as we're turning to this scripture, very quickly before we leave Proverbs 10, 22, I would like you to, for you to exclaim something, a prophetic proclamation that for some of you may be very bold. Maybe you have never even uttered anything like this out of your mouth before, because maybe you didn't even know that it was God's will for your life. But look at this. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. I want you to say right now. Open your mouth and say, I'm walking in the blessing, and God is making me rich. Woo! I tell you what, some of you so struggle with the word rich because you have been indoctrinated with rose-colored religious glasses that cause you to filter the truth of God's Word in a color that is clouding the truth of what God is trying to say to you. Praise God. Look, if you think God wants you to be poor, then go fully along with it and go live underneath the bridge. Uh, go join the homeless. There's a whole bunch of them. I'm sure there's room on that street for you to move your cardboard box in. I'm not making fun of them. I used to live out of a cardboard box. But my friends, I, like I was saying, I did not know these scriptures were in the Bible. And of course, I know it now. And I'm walking in the light and the truth of them and I must admit, God's brought me a long ways from the cardboard box. All the glory, of course, goes to Him. Praise the Lord. And also, I must give honor to my wife, who distinctively used her faith in a very special way to really cause the release of a miracle so that we were able to buy a home that was very, very special. And uh, I tell you what, the gift of faith came on her, and she did some things that any 
Any normal person would say, that's never going to work. That will never be accepted. That's impossible. And in the natural, all of that was true. But she took a hold of God's word and she used her faith. And at a special moment, the gift of faith came on her and stayed on her during the whole transaction period. And the end result was we live in a beautiful place. Now, it was an older home, but uh, that's why they have home improvement stores so that you can improve <laughs> the older home or whatever might need to be renovating or whatever the case might be. Praise God. But my friends with the Lord Jesus Christ and obedience to him and knowledge of what his will is for you, you're on the way up. Mm -mm. Now, Matthew chapter six, very quickly, verse 33, Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God. So there's two kingdoms in the world. There's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. There is no third, fourth or fifth kingdom. That's all there is. Kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light ruled over by Jesus Christ, head of the church, kingdom of darkness ruled over by the bad guy. We all know who he is. I don't even feel like saying his name right now, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So anytime you have a kingdom, you have a king and a king governs over his kingdom with his own set of rules, principles, decrees, and basically his way of doing things. So when you come out of the kingdom of darkness and into a new kingdom, you need to learn the way of operating in the new kingdom. And it is vastly different from that of the kingdom of darkness, which is gather all you can keep it for yourself, live for yourself. It's all about self-preservation. But Jesus and his kingdom said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Also in God's kingdom, Jesus endorsed tithing. Also in the kingdom of God, Hebrews chapter seven, we see that Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the father is still receiving the tithe today. Mm -mm. but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. All of these things that those that don't know God are craving after and running after and staying up all night thinking about how they can get it. God says, if you serve me, live for me, my blessing will come upon your life and make you rich. And when God does it, there's, there's no uh, strain struggle. And very importantly, you sleep good at night. He adds no sorrow with it. And when God does it, when you're seeking first his kingdom, he, he adds, he adds to you. Mm -mm. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now we're fixing to receive the tithes and offerings. Fixing, that's a good old Southern word, isn't it? Well, let me share this with you. I shared it on Pentecost Sunday, last Sunday, but we now have signed the contract. And on the 19th of this month, we begin broadcasting on the Holy Land Broadcasting Channel there in Bethlehem, Israel. Praise God. Our half hour pure gold television program airs prime time Sunday morning at 11 o'clock in the morning there in Israel and also 11 p.m. that night and Monday night at 1030 p.m. Thank you, ministry partners, church members, 
every one of you that sowed into that, we are now preaching the gospel directly in Israel. There are satellites that beam it down that other networks use, but this is on the ground television station, very tall tower beaming out of Bethlehem with a sister station further over that then takes it and covers all of Jordan with it. Woo. Praise God. Amen. Oh, I tell you very exciting. And in heaven and heaven when it's recorded and is continually be recorded because we're, this is ongoing, these messages that Pastor Stephen is preaching the gospel to Israel. It's recorded next to your name that you're directly involved in it also. No difference between you and me. I, I'm the mouthpiece, whatever. I'm, I'm the guy out there preaching. But because you're my partner and you're supporting this work and helping me to do this, God also, he puts you as being right there with me in this, all the rewards we share together. Mm -mm. Some of you are going to be so excited when you get to heaven. <laughs> Woo! You're going to scream and shout and you're going to say, I did it right. There will be others that will drop their head and say, Oh God, but see, it's too late now. It's set. You've crossed over into eternity, but there will be others. And I believe I'm talking to many that say, thank God. God, I got into the kingdom, got saved, and then began to understand kingdom principles and began to give and support God's further expansion of his kingdom. And oh boy. Mm -mm. Now, I, I'm just getting this in my spirit. Somebody is saying, oh, Pastor Stephen, we shouldn't expect any kind of reward. Well, that's just being spiritually silly. Who in the world goes and works 40 hours a week and then at the end of the week is not looking for their paycheck? Even if they pay every two weeks, an employer would, every two weeks you're still looking for the paycheck. Everybody understands that without faith it is impossible to please God and we must believe that God is what? A rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. Why would anybody do anything if there's no reward? I mean, even David as a young man understood that if he's going to face Goliath and he, he felt he could take him out by the power of God, he's like, what will the king do for the man that uh, gets rid of this guy over here? And they said, he'll do three things. One, two, three. One, you're going to get a bunch of money. Two, you and your family will be tax exempt. And three, you can marry uh, the king's daughter. Uh, what is that? Reward. Motivation. Mm -mm. Now, we do these things, of course, out of love. When we get to heaven, we'll, we'll find out much more about what all this was about and the, all the glories of the world to come. And we're not just doing it to get something. We're doing it because we love God and we love people and we want to see people come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But let's not act like when we get there, all we're going to get is a little pack of chewing gum from Jesus. Here you go. Here, take a, take a, take a piece of chewing gum. You did a good job down there. No, no, there's different levels of reward. And uh, so we thank God for these revelations that we can walk in them. All right. Let us now bring the tides and the offerings into the storehouse of the Lord, the tithe is 10% of all of your increase. Anytime you get a payment, anytime you get uh, something special, let's say uh, you just found out you got an inheritance, whatever it is, the Lord says 10% is mine. Set that apart, the 90%, the other 90% is blessed. So let's bring the tithe. And if you would like to sow a seed, even into the Pure Gold Project, particularly with uh, reaching out over Israel, it's, it's also, of course, many other parts of the world. 
Uh, you can do so. If you want to mail your tithe and offering in, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls. The zip code, of course, excuse me, that's North Carolina, the zip code 28654. Now, if you want to go online and bring your tithe and offering in online, please visit our website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage. It has a red heart and it says give. You can go there to bring your tithe in. Now, if you would like to do something to help us uh, to, you know, just keep rolling with the television and you want to be involved also in seeing the gospel, go to the Jew first and also to the Greek, okay? Then to the Greek, or the, when Paul said Greek, he's meaning Gentiles or the nations of the world, okay? Then uh, join up, praise God. You can click their orange banner that says projects. And when you do that, you'll see the one that says pure gold, and you can click that. So you're, you're offering right there, and we'll use it to uh, just keep paying these bills because this is a faith project. Uh, you know, my, my wife and I and our team, we just believe God by faith for the provision. And you guys have given us a good running start as you bless us, uh, particularly on feast days, uh, Passover, Pentecost, etc. And I tell you what, it helps us to pay these airtime bills. I found out a long time ago, there's nothing cheap. <laughs> there's nothing cheap about TV. Everything about TV is pricey. Uh, not only when we're talking airtime, but production cost and on and on it goes. But God is faithful and it's worth it to see human souls come to Christ and gain eternal life. And to see his people, his church, built up around the world. Nothing better on earth that we can be involved in. Heavenly Father, bless your people, and I speak over their giving. Great blessing. Thank you, Father God. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. So I, I thank you, Father. Let there be a harmony. Let them harmonize with your word, which is your will. Again, I thank you, Father. Make your people rich in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Somebody's saying, Pastor Stephen, I don't know if I should be rich. I, that might cause me to fall away from God. Well, then just give it all away. Okay? You, I've already given you the address of this ministry, and th this is not the ministry that you connect with, and you just happen to be watching me. Give it to another ministry. Just give it all away. Then you can be free. <laughs> Anytime you feel this, this money is starting to get too much of a control on me, then just start giving. Break it immediately. Start giving. Praise God. That's an easy fix. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Today, let's jump into the sermon. We're going to continue to talk about the extraordinary life of Obed-Edom and three unforgettable months that took place in his life, but which he was also able to extend because once he was touched from God, he said, I'll never be the same again. And I believe you'll never be the same again once these three months are complete. Let's pray. Father, as we Go into your word today. We ask that your spirit of wisdom and revelation would flow. And we thank you that he's going to. Let there be illumination and understanding of your word and help us to take it and apply it to our lives today and enjoy. Step into all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Today I want to share four things with you that 
they're coming. They're coming to you. They can come very quickly within a few days or a few weeks. But over this three-month period time of very uh, nearness, closeness to the Lord, uh, you're, going to, you're going to experience, I believe, all four of them. You need to be aware of this, especially one. Praise God. The, all four, very important. There's one. I need to get you uh, to really be aware of this. Uh, and, uh, ooh, some Christians aren't. <laughs> but I'm going to help you with this one today. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Let me catch up with you. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And we're going to go back to verse 9. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Again, we understand that David did not have a sense of righteousness. Yes, we understand he's living under the law. He had some insights into grace. He ate the showbread one time that was only allowed for the priest. He, he understood, even wrote in one of the Psalms that, Lord, this is not, uh, this is not uh, about Animal sacrifice is that what you're requiring? You you want our hearts. And so we begin to see uh, into the future and understand a little bit about grace. But even still, he's in the Old Covenant. And that's why it says about John the Baptist, although he was the greatest in the Old Covenant, that in the New, wow, we're all on a, on a different level because now we have the gift of righteousness, right standing with God, that is placed within us upon the new birth experience. Okay. Now, David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house. So it goes into the house. Uh, Obed-Edom is not allowed to put it in his garage. There's not a little lean-to outside that he could put it in. No, it goes into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Where would he put it? Probably in the primary room, I have seen uh, various drawings, potentially, of the house of Obed-Edom. There's one uh, a world-class uh, illustrator. I think his name is Rittenhauer, uh, Rittenmeyer. I can't remember right offhand. But um, even a lot of the historical sites in Israel, when you visit the site, and all you see is rock and rubble, or maybe just remnants of what used to be, you'll see these beautiful illustrated like uh, national park signs. Well, many of the illustrations on those signs were uh, drawn up by this man. And he drew the typical house of the typical Israelite of that day. And it showed that most likely Obed-Edom had a small house, probably about four rooms and uh, nothing big, nothing uh, outlandish or anything like that. But we do know after three months, his situation had changed from normal to uh, way, beyond, way beyond normal. So the, the ark is put inside his house. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. God doesn't need uh, three years or 30 years. God did a great work here in three months. Technically, he could do it all in three days, but sometimes uh, in order to unfold it in a way where you can assimilate it and uh, work with the increase and not get 
overload it. God can stretch it out comfortably. And that's what happened. He had three months and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. The rabbis say that the emphasis of the blessing primarily was upon his household. I do believe that we can prove that. Before we close this message today, I'll show you one scripture that would uh, give great uh, uh, insight on that verse. Now, it says, now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So everything he has from his pet to his flower in the pot to uh, his food, to his livestock, to his wife, to his children, everything, the blessing comes super heavy upon everything. And it even grabs everybody's attention to the degree that even it gets to David's ear. And of course, David said, let's get the ark. And he does, he goes and he gets the ark and he takes it from the home of Obed-Edom and takes it to Jerusalem, to the area of the hill, right there by, known today, as, and also known back then as the city of David. And that was also known, that part of the hill was known as Zion. So this is phenomenal because we're now going from Obed-Edom and we're going up to Zion. Mm-mm. Now, I want to talk about these four things that you can anticipate happening to you. Number one, over the next three months, I would suggest that these next three months, because I want you to visualize the Ark of the Covenant in your house. Sometimes when we picture God is with us, uh, we can't quite, you know, maybe we have a hard time visualizing that. But if you just think, well, Ark of the Covenant, representing the manifest presence of God, and the Ark were in my house, how would that affect me? That's what we're talking about. I would say this, that over these next three months, starting on uh, last week, Pentecost, that these will be the, th- uh, clean, the cleanest three months that you have had thus far in your life. Yeah, go ahead and get the whiskey out of your, out of your, uh, off your shelves. Just throw it away. That stuff's not good for your liver. It's not good for your quiver. It's not good for anything. Get rid of that stuff. There are some things that you might just need to go ahead and get rid of and, uh, unsubscribe from, but I, I want you to anticipate what takes place. Well, Pastor Stephen, why would you say that these three months will be the cleanest months of my life? Well, because of Psalm 4610. Let's jump over there. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There's something about going to your devotional place for your daily time with God. And you go in there and you, you sit down, kneel down or get comfortable. However it is that you like to do it. And you get quiet and you get still just as you would if the Ark of the Covenant had been brought into your house with the cherubim and the presence of God right there in between the cherubim and sitting there in front of you because they're going to put the Ark in the central place of the house. Okay. So let's say it's in the central place of spiritually for you. That would be your devotional room, your place of devotion. And what happens is when things get very quiet and calm like that, then it is an initiation for purity and cleanliness 
because when you're in the presence of the Lord and just as if the ark were there, which means God's there, you're thinking, well, he sees everything I do. And if I'm over here looking at this or maybe doing that, uh, I, 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 I don't want God seeing me do that. Now, I want you to be in a place where you're able to visualize just as it were for the next three months. You can go longer, of course, if you want, but we're using Obed-Edom as a, as a text case. The ark of God in your house for three months, and you're there in front of it for some time every day for your devotional time. I know you have to go to work and stuff like that. But during that time that you're there and you get quiet and you get calm in that quietness, I'll tell you, while you're in the presence of the Lord, there's information coming. And there's also a deep reverence for God that is created amongst that presence. Now, if you get on, on the outer part of that, you can get insensitive. You can be like a bull in a china shop. I was listening to a really good prophet speak the other day, and I understood exactly what he was talking about because I've had it happen in my meetings before. And he said he was in a meeting one time ministering, and he said the healing anointing came all over him. And he's standing there with about five or six people that have terminal ill conditions. And if they don't get a miracle, uh, they're going to die. And he said that anointing was all over him. Now he had already been praying for some sick people, but now he's getting to critical cases. And just as he was about to lay hands on them and minister to them, there were some people, Christians, in the sanctuary, towards the back of the sanctuary, that had got up, started moving around, and they were causing a disruption because they were go they had gone out to the to the uh, lobby area. They'd gotten like some snacks. I thought I think maybe somebody got like uh, some kind of food. Then they brought it back in, and they were they were kind of talking amongst themselves and eating. And the, he said the, the prophet said the Holy Spirit completely lifted off of me. And he said, now I'm standing there as a normal man. And you can't, you can't minister to situations like that uh, when they really need a miracle and they're on a very short timeline without an anointing. You could use a prayer of faith, but, you know, if you're also working with people that don't have any faith because they don't know maybe about this because maybe they're, maybe they're not even born again. Well, I tell you what, you, you need God's help. And he, he got mad. He said, you, he stopped everything he was doing. He said, you sitting back there. He said, either get up here and get involved and reverence God or get out, leave this meeting and do not come back. Now, of course, you always have some Christians that uh, they, they never get stuff like this. They only, it's like a coin it has two sides. All they ever see is one side of God. Oh, he's gentle and loving and good. Uh, there is another side. Jesus flipped the tables over of the money exchangers, pulled this whip out. You, you know the story, but a lot of people, they want to never even look at that aspect of God, but there was an aspect of righteous anger. And he, he, that, that prophet said that to those people. And, uh, and then you had some in the church. Oh, I can't believe he did that. He's like, I don't care what you think. He said, we're dealing with people that are about to die. What would you think if this was your mother or your brother or sister, and they're up here in this condition, and I'm about to pray for them. And that's your mother or your brother. And then somebody else is doing that. Well, now suddenly you're going to get upset about it. He said, we have got to reverence the Holy Spirit. Mm -mm. 
Praise God. Praise God. These things are very, very real. So when we get that close to the ark, when you spend that time with the Lord, things just begin to come off. These certain things will begin to lift off of you, maybe habits, maybe, you know, uh, some profanity slips out every now and then or stuff like that. And you, well, you certainly want to, wouldn't want to do that if God was standing there. <laughs> but these next uh, three months, and we're actually at um, uh, two months and three weeks now, the, these are times where you realize the ark is there. The presence is there. God is here. Praise God. Mm -mm. And we are operating from that perspective. Thank you, Jesus. Every time you close your eyes and pray, just, uh, uh, just visualize that God would be there. I'm not saying, you know, like try to think of a vision of the, the arcs there. Cause you know, the, the, the Ark of the covenant mentioned in the old Testament, it, disappeared long, long time ago, even in the temple that Jesus went to that was constructed by Herod, the ark, uh, there was a holy of holies, but no, there was no ark of the covenant there. It was long gone before that. Now they do, uh, some of the rabbis do think it's probably underneath, uh, Jerusalem, uh, and one of those vast complex tunnel systems running underneath there. It, I think it probably is as well. I don't, I don't think it's in Ethiopia. I know some, uh, uh, people uh, subscribe to that. I don't think so. Mainly because also of what one man said on a recording that was, I, th I think it's been scrubbed off the internet, but he actually went to Ethiopia to the place that was supposed to be keeping it and uh, paid a large sum of money and uh, it wasn't there. Okay. So <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, praise God. Amen. Although we love Ethiopia and the Ethiopian people, praise God. All right. Now, I want you to also be aware of James chapter four, verse eight. Praise God. By the way, this was, this verse is the first supernatural word from God that I ever heard that an angel spoke to me and he actually spoke from James chapter four, verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I actually had an angel tell me that one time it was the first time I ever heard the supernatural uh, uh, voice, and because it was not internal, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was coming from over my shoulder, and it was an angel of the Lord. Since that day, I've been endeavoring to do this. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There is a place when you're quiet and peaceful in front of the ark and close to the close to the Lord, that these, these workings of the Holy Spirit take place. So I'm saying that I am anticipating that these three months that you're experiencing any, any, any yucky stuff, just let it go. Let it go. You don't need it. Praise God. And, um, God is setting people free to walk in, in true freeness. You know, sin is not freedom. Sin is captivity. Now you, you may be in sin and you might not say, well, there's no chains on my ankles or around my wrist, but sin is a form of captivity. And so we don't want to practice sin. Praise God. We want to live lives that will glorify the Lord. And that's why we have these types of statements. Sometimes the book of James can be a little difficult for, for people to work through. Now you still, of course, see grace 
in the book of James, but you also have to understand that God wants us to live lives that bring him glory. Praise the Lord. The blood of Jesus is there. Should we miss it? But at the same time, let's endeavor to live lives that honor the Lord. So these three, these three months are going to be clean months. Why? Because a, of an awareness that God is in your house, just like Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom is like, wow, the Ark of the Covenant uh, with the Lord in between the cherubim is in my house. Praise God. This is, this is exciting. And uh, I, I thank God that he's here. And, uh, of course, Obed-Edom understood the, the value and had knowledge of the blood covering. So he's, he's enjoying himself. But at the same time, I'm sure he had to tell his children, hey, don't, don't go up there with muddy hands and try to put your hands on the ark or something like that. And uh, let's, uh, let's not be doing any crazy stuff. Uh, kids, make sure that you don't turn the radio on and be uh, uh, playing any music that the Holy Spirit doesn't want. See what I'm saying? Those types of things. You create the environment. You create the atmosphere that makes God happy. And if God is happy, trust me, you'll certainly be happy as well. Speaking of happiness, let's go further uh, because happiness so often can be based on circumstances, but joy is actually something that is a fruit of God that is pr produced from the Lord in your life. So joy is actually greater than happiness. Let's talk about joy for a moment because number two, these three months, I'm prophetically telling you are going to be the most joyful months that you have had thus far. Praise God. And the scripture for that would be from uh, the book of Psalms. Let's go to Psalm 16 for this one. Psalm 16 verse 11. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So in the Lord's presence, uh, presence is the fullness of what? Joy. So during these times of identifying with Obed-Edom and the Ark of the Covenant in his house and God's presence in your house, okay, for three months, okay? And I, because I, I believe that you can set patterns in your life. They used to say it, it takes three weeks to, to establish a habit in your life. And that became a statement that unfortunately is not true. The truth is more closer to 64 days. If you do it consistently and you get out to about day 64, something then psychiatrists and those that study psychology study right around day 64, something really takes traction on the inside of you where now something that's practiced now begins to become a habit. So I believe over these three months that you can uh, just develop enjoying the presence of the Lord and a mentality of God is in your house. Mm -mm. And that as you spend time in his presence, there will be joy and there will be because God's going to be answering your, your prayers of inquiry when you have questions, you ask God about something. I tell you, one of the most joyful things on the face of the earth is when God answers your question. Woo! Because now you have guidance, you have direction, and that just ushers peace into your heart. So I want you to be aware that these three months are going to be very, very joyful. Praise God. Now, let me just uh, 
I wouldn't call it a rabbit trail, but it's too good not to venture down a little bit. Look at verse 7 just for a moment. Psalm 16, verse 7. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. Well, David, as a king, is busy. What king's not busy? You, you always have something to do. You have to administrate. You have to uh, uh, adjudicate. You've got to do all kinds of stuff, all kinds of things going on all the time. But even with that busy schedule, uh, which probably at times would cause him to be up a little bit later than he wanted, you know, uh, uh, you know, because David also was having not just, you know, governance over uh, and, and reigning over the, the land of Israel. He's got international relationships going on and things like that. So uh, a lot taking place as he would be hosting and doing certain things. And then again, you know, a king can't be sleeping into 11 o'clock in the morning. You got to get up because there's meetings scheduled and wars to fight and all this stuff. But David said, my heart also instructs me in the night seasons. So it would be apparent that there were seasons, and remember, three months would be a seasonary type period where he would get up in the night and make an extra push. And during those times of great quietness and stillness, he would receive instruction from his heart as God would give him guidance and direction. This would take place in the night seasons. Now, the reason for this, particularly in the night, that it's not something that you can just sustain continually is because the tax is pretty high. What I mean by that is, is that it's very demanding. Even when there is God's grace, that doesn't mean it's a cakewalk. It's like fasting. When you're fasting, you get past the first five days, natural hunger begins to drop off. It'll come back later, but it begins to, dr to drop off. And also, also, of course, you're looking for God's grace to carry you through the fast. And it will be there. But even with His grace, it's not like, hey, this is fun. Hey, this is really fun. I just, I just don't like food anyhow. I love the fast. No, that's crazy. Everybody likes food, not just the taste and flavors, but the textures. And you, you put it all together. And, and, and it's not just for nourishment for your body, but it's hard to function in life if you were to do it doing a perpetual fast because food is also fellowship. You eat with your spouse, you eat with your kids, you eat with your friends, you eat with your, you know, uh, uh, with different people and so forth. And if you're not eating, you, you know, you're missing a lot of that. And even if you're sitting at the table, but you're fasting, you can't quite partake because you're not eating together. So there's sacrifice in that. It's not easy. But the same thing with seeking the Lord during night seasons. It's not like you could just do this forever because it's too demanding, especially for King David. Everything going on during the day, he's tired. Of course, he's going to get older. And you need your sleep. But he would make those pushes for a season. Can't do it just all the time because you're going to just, you're going to burn out. You're going to wipe out. But there would be times he'd push. And he would get great results out of that. And remember, we're in a three-month season right now of Obed-Edom experience. So sure, you might want to push a little bit, experiment a little bit in that era, uh, area. Uh, in other words, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you just had a profound dream, you may have to go to work in the morning. But at the same time, you might want to say, well, Lord, I'm, I'm up. I'm kind of tired. But this is so important. I'm going to stay up until I get this written out because I don't want to forget it. And remember when I say write it out. 
the easiest way to do it, take your phone and just put it on your note and speak it on there, you know, uh, voice to text onto a note message or something like that. You don't have to get a pen and paper. And uh, that way you've got it recorded. And, you, and then also if there, the anointing's there. You may want to take another uh, 15 or 20 minutes and say, Lord, uh, by the way, what does it mean? Give me the interpretation. And uh, it could be one of the greatest hours of your life. Praise God. You know, I just had uh, uh, an apostle friend of mine from a, d a different country. And, uh, you know, it says in the Bible, iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. Uh, See, so you can't sharpen iron with a block of wood. <laughs> if you try to sharpen the wood, you're not, you're just chipping away at it. And if you're trying to use the wood to sharpen the, the sword, uh, it's just going to keep dulling the sword, but you can use these metals and you can bring a sharpness that would not be possible any other way. So you need to have friends that inspire you and you can encourage each other. And you, in other words, you're feeding off of each other in a very positive faith building way. So I had an apostle friend called me, uh, actually he's in, in Nigeria and he said, um, apostle Stephen, he said, just want you to know, I'll be doing some special prayer for you. And, um, I'm going into a time of consecration for a season. I'll be praying every night from 10 o'clock at night to two o'clock in the morning. And he told me how many days he would be doing it for. I said, okay. I said, I'll be covering you in prayer as you do this. May you have some wonderful encounters with the Lord. And uh, he's quite a ways into that now. Uh, but the thing is, somebody can say, oh, that's easy. No, it's not. It is extremely sacrificial. It's what David would call night season type seeking. Uh, it's seasonal. Why? Because it's so demanding. Because this friend of mine, he's not sleeping until 11 o'clock the next morning. He's got to get up. He has a lot going on. And, and so to structure that in to the middle, in the middle of your busy life, when you have a marriage and you have, you have kids, you got all this stuff going on and you're going to do something like that. Yeah, it is tremendously sacrificial. God sees it, but remember it's also seasonal and you'll eventually pop out on the other end. And, uh, you know, the Lord will certainly honor that. And my friends, anytime we're having these moments before the ark, they bring a great release of joy. So four things that I want you to anticipate. Number one, three months, very clean. Number uh, two, uh, three months of great joy because in his presence is joy. And number three, these are going to be three months that you must, you must be, Oh, please. I, I want to help some of you on this one. Cause some of you are about to uh, go into some places you've never been into before. Okay. I'm talking about primarily in the spirit. You're going to have to be prayerful. You have to be very, very prayerful. Let me share something with you. And many of you would, of course, have this memorized, but I, I don't want you to let this become too comfortable with you. Listen to this scripture, uh, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then of course the prayer begins to get closed out and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil, excuse me, the evil one. My friends, when you really start having a really good time with the Lord, God's working in your life, 
Say like Obed-Edom, for example, which is what I'm praying that you have very similar experiences. You have to understand it's not like the devil sits back and says, oh, isn't that wonderful? Hey, all of you demon uh, compatriots, isn't that, look at him over there getting blessed. I tell you what, he's taking a whole bunch of people to heaven, isn't he? He's really living a great example for Jesus. Let's all give him a hand. No, no, the enemy begins to do things that will try to throw a wrench in the gears. And you must be aware of this. And I would highly encourage you as you're beginning to notice, wow, as I'm seeking God and I'm believing the ark in a sense is in my room and I'm honoring God and I'm having a good time with the Lord. I'm, I'm having an, by faith, I'm claiming I'm having an Obed-Edom experience. I would highly encourage you to pray the Lord's prayer every day and also make sure that you pray, God, Father, lead me away from temptation and deliver me from the evil one. Because trust me, he's sneaky and he will try to do things that will short circuit or bring to an end something beautiful that God wants to do. Now, he's not going to get the victory. The Lord's going to get the victory. You're going to walk in his, the Lord's victory, but we need to be aware of how the enemy works. Very quickly, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. W-I-L-E-S, the wiles. That word is also translated in various uh, translations as being strategies, schemes, tactics. What are these? These are strategically planned attacks. They are done, listen to me, just as precisely as an elite special force team that is very tactical in their approach to what they're trying to do. I'm not trying to give any glory to the devil or, or I'm not trying to over magnify him. All I'm trying to say is you have to know how he works and you, you could be at, let's say you're a man and you've been smoking three packs of cigarettes every day for the last 20 years. And you know what? The doctor said, Hey, if you don't stop, you're going to get wiped out with cancer and uh, you don't have it yet, but you need to stop. You also, you're clogging up your body with tar and nicotine, all this other stuff. And you say, okay. And you say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to get a big backpack full of food and clothes, and I'm going to have a helicopter fly me out to a remote Island and drop me off. And uh, there won't be anybody around for 200 miles. And I'm going to stay there for 40 days until I get this nicotine out of my system. You know what? And, and you could also say, while, I, while I'm out here, I'm going to seek God day and night since I'll be the only one here. And uh, I'm going to have a great time with God. And you can get out there and you can be having a great time with God. And you can wake up one morning after having had a great night with God. And usually the greater the encounters, the more of this goofy, weird, supernatural stuff of the enemy starts popping up. And it is raw supernatural. 
You could say, well, I'm doing good thus far. I think I'm going to wake up this morning here on this deserted island. I'm going to take a walk on the beach. My lungs are clearing up. All that junk is beginning to get flushed out of my body. I'm eating coconuts and uh, having a good time out here. And you could walk along the beach and find a waterproof pack of cigarettes that just got washed up on the shore that morning. Who knows? Maybe a sailor uh, had them all in a Ziploc bag and was leaning over the boat and accidentally dropped them. And before he knew it, the current took it away and uh, the waves and the wind eventually washed it up on the shore. And you're standing there going, I can't believe that. That's a pack of unopened cigarettes sealed in a watertight container. How in the world did that happen? I'll tell you exactly how it happened. It happened by that crazy devil. And these things begin to happen more when you get closer to the Lord and the blessing really starts to work. I'm telling you, um, it's not like he's going to get you, but you have got to be aware that this stuff is more real. These attacks, they're tactical. They're more real than you ever thought. I have a uh, very godly uh, pastor friend, much older than I. Uh, he told me and told my wife one time that he was ministering in, I don't think I should say the state. Maybe it would give a little bit too much information. He was ministering in one state. Uh, it was a state that uh, doesn't really get cold, stays hot most of the time. And uh, having some good meetings. Matter of fact, having some really good meetings, a lot of people getting saved, be on your guard, be on your guard. Don't, don't be nervous and don't be, don't, or anything, don't be fearful, but just be on the alert of what you're dealing with here. You cannot be a goofy airhead Christian. You cannot go on spiritual vacation. When God's blessing and this stuff is working the way God wants it to work, you better stay sharp. And so I remember uh, he told me after one night after, ha after having a meeting where just people getting saved, just over and over, just people getting, it was like a, a revi revival was on. He goes back to the hotel room, uh, you know, kind of unwinds, gets in his shorts, T-shirt. Uh, he has ordered some, some food. He ate his food. He's sitting there, and there's a knock on the door. And that doesn't make any sense. It's 11 o'clock at night. Who in the world would be at the door? He goes and opens up the door, and there's Miss So-and-So, who is the state beauty queen. She actually has the title. You know, boy, they have the Miss America pageant. I don't know what thing's called, but she's the state winner. She represents that state in the national competition. And she's standing there with a robe on. He goes, who are you? She said, I'm, I'm Miss So-and-So, and drops the robe and doesn't have anything on. Doesn't have anything on. She said, I'd, I'd like to come in. And he's like, oh, you know, because he's a single man. And he said, oh, no, <laughs> no, no, closes the door. Here's the thing. I, I, you, you're going to have to learn. You have to learn when this stuff starts moving, you start moving this realm. The devil, he, he'll try to bring you all kinds of crazy things. And uh, don't think walls can keep it out. Although you, it's good to have walls. Don't think a door can keep it out. And that, but, but it's good to have doors. And lock the doors, too. Lock the doors. Mm. Mm. It's, it's sometimes it's literally unexplainable. It's so crazy. It's so stupid and crazy. You'd think that you think this is like supernatural. It is. It is. Well, Pastor Stephen, that preacher you're talking about, he must have been a really good looking man. That's why that lady was after him. No, he had all kinds of ladies after him all the time because of the anointing. 
This has nothing to do with looks. <laughs> nothing to do with that at all. The enemy sees you as a threat. He's after you. And so he knows areas of Achilles heels and everybody's wired different. But these are things that you must be aware of. I remember when I was in my 20s, I was introduced of all places at a charismatic church. I was introduced to alcohol. And up until then, all my life, I had never drank alcohol and uh, had never touched it. I'd always been an athlete, ran track all through high school, ran track, you know, for four years in college. And so I would never want anything to do with drugs, tobacco, alcohol, anything like that. But, you know, uh, the track career's over with and, you know, I've gotten a little, I'm still in my 20s, mid-20s. And I got, uh, got baptized in the Holy Spirit at this charismatic church but the pastor liked booze. He liked beer. And I'm not like, I'm not talking like maybe one a day. I'm talking, he really liked beer. And of course, when we would go out for, for fellowship, like men's fellowship, uh, he's always going to drink and he wants everybody else to drink. And, and you know, when you're in your uh, teens, even still in your twenties, there's still a lot of formation going on within your soul of who you are. And, and so you want to fit in. And, uh, and you know, he would use scriptures like, well, now come on, Stephen, y'all come on. Now we need to get us a drink here. He said, after all, Jesus turned water into wine. <laughs> Why is it that it seems like there's only maybe three or four scriptures that people that don't really know the Bible, but they always know certain scriptures like Jesus turned water to wine. Therefore we all need to be alcoholics. <laughs> Or Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Now, if you ask them if there's something wrong with their stomach, of course not. They just want to take a, they want to take a whole bunch of wine. Or they could, quote, they could also quote the scripture, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. And in other words, it's bad. Stay away from it. <laughs> and all of these out of context statements, blanket statements, trying to, uh, they don't even know what they mean. Well, they drank wine back in Jesus' day. Uh, Pastor Stephen, Jesus did turn water into wine. Yeah, but the, uh, and, and, and then some even say, yes, and, and, and it would suggest in the Greek that it was alcoholic. Well, of course it was. They didn't have refrigerators. They, they didn't have all, they didn't have glass bottles. And if you did have one, you were the elite of the elite with wealth because that was still Egyptian technology. So hardly anybody had a glass bottle back then. I actually saw one from the time of Jesus that a super wealthy Jewish man had, and it was placed as the centerpiece of his luxury home. It would be like a giant Beverly Hills home today with a, uh, your crown jewel. And the crown jewel was a stupid glass bottle that today we would throw away after emptying the contents. And I was actually told by the Jewish tour guide that the bottle would at that time in history would have been worth more than the entire massive luxury home that the man lived in. Mm -mm. So they couldn't preserve things back then. So the, the question is, wait, well, could you get drunk on it? Yeah, you could. If you drank about two gallons of it, if you just kept drinking glass after glass after glass, and finally drank about two gallons, maybe then, you would start to get a little bit of a sensation because it was diluted, scholars tell us, with a ratio of 50 to 1, 50 parts water to one part alcoholic content. So uh, this, this thing, Jesus turned water into wine, everybody's over there getting drunk. This, this, is, 
This is crazy, ludicrous, uh, uh, almost like barbaric type of thinking. If you think the wine on the grocery store shelf today is the same kind of wine that Jesus or the disciples think, I would just say don't teach that because teachers get judged with a stricter sentence. If you're teaching crazy stuff and you, you're teaching blanket things and you haven't studied them, um, you're going to be giving an account for that. Praise God. Well, it didn't take me long for, uh, you know, after you'd be around this pastor and the elder, he drank also, you know. And remember, there, we were all in our 20s. The pastor was in his 20s. <laughs> he was 29. I thought he was getting kind of old. <laughs> And the elder, the elder, he was like maybe uh, just a year older than me. So I think he's 27. Maybe I was 26. And, you know, uh, they were all drinking. So eventually I started drinking alcohol and uh, kind of migrated to one, one certain beer that I really liked. Because to me, it, I, it just tasted really good. Some tasted awful. But this one, I really liked it. And um, but one day after having really good prayer time, and having the Holy Spirit, in other words, after being in front of the Ark of the Covenant, just getting refreshed and blessed, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me about alcohol and said, I don't want you doing that. I don't want you doing that. And I said, okay. I said, I'm going to make a clean break from it, and I'm going to give you my word right now. I'm done with it. And I did that. And I meant it with all of my heart. Well, that day, it was in the middle of summer. And I was living in West Texas, and it was blistering hot, way over 100 degrees. And uh, I had a car, uh, but the air conditioner didn't work. And um, I'm trying to think that I had, I think I had a car, it wasn't working or something like that. I think the whole car wasn't working, not just the air conditioner. <laughs> but anyhow, I, I decided to walk somewhere and then walk back. This is not that far, I'll just walk. So I walked, and on the way back, when I was coming back from... Uh, from finishing what I needed to do, I was walking all the way back, maybe a 20-minute walk, and it was hot, and I was sweating, and I'm walking down a sidewalk, and a man pulls up real slow in a pickup truck, and he has the rent window rolled down. He goes, hey, you, and he hollers and points to me. I said, yeah. He reaches over into the middle area of his truck up front, Reaches down to the ice chest. He had ice chest there. Saw him moving ice around. And he pulls out a big bottle of beer. Ice cold. And he goes, hey, man, you look like you need a cold one. And held, the, held it out the window to me. I said, oh. I said, thanks. But I don't drink. Now, the, the, I, I can't act like there was some kind, like there was no urge. There was like, hey, ooh, that really would taste good, especially cold. But I made a commitment to the Lord. I said, thanks, but I don't drink. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah. He said, all right. And he drove on down the road. I had never had anything like that ever happened in my life before. And till this day, ever since I made that stance and that happened, I have never had anything like that ever happen again. Mm -mm. But I'm telling you, the devil can bring strategies that are so tactical, like like an elite attack team where they're going to try to uh, present something to you and catch you off guard. And the more you see God blessing you over these three months, you're going to have to be sharp, sharp, sharp. 
And if you're not praying, especially, Lord, lead me away from temptation, and God, today, deliver me from evil. I don't know what the old devil's cooking up. I don't really care. I know you'll, you'll help me, but God, keep me safe, and help me to watch out for any crazy landmines that he might have out there. And then go on out about your day in faith, and in trust, and in joy. Amen. But stay sharp. You can even come out of a really good prayer time, and almost be like, if I could use the word like on a high because of the anointing and the glory, be careful. Okay, be careful. Don't, don't be in a sense where you're intoxicated to a degree where the enemy could maybe slip something in on you. Watch out. Watch out. Uh, especially in meetings when there's real high anointings. I know. Don't ever drop your guard until you're back in the hotel room and, and I'm there with my wife because I've had things you think, okay, the meeting's over. I've prayed for everybody. I can relax. And that's, that's when something crazy, the enemy that tries to do something crazy has happened so many times. And it's always su something supernatural where he's going to try to come in at a weird angle. And I've learned stay sharp all the time. Stay sharp. Mm -mm. Now, it's not that you're nervous, but you just always want to maintain uh, an awareness. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right. Number four, this is something unusual, but I want you to anticipate this happening to you where over these three months, as you have your Obed-Edom, Obed-Edom own personal type experience and encounter with the Lord, I need to let you know that you're going to experience a real loss of interest of things that are unimportant over these next three months. I'll say it again. You're going to experience a very real loss of interest of things that are unimportant over these next three months. Mm -mm. There are some things today that some good Christians even, they're so wrapped up in, and it's not anything even that God has planned for their life. And they've gotten sidetracked, and they have taken some kind of a bait or an allurement, and it's pulled them further into it. And now they're just having a glorious time in their own self-interest with this involvement. And I tell you what, a few encounters with the Lord there in front of the ark, all of that stuff just starts to go out the window. And you realize, my goodness, it's worthless. It doesn't mean anything to the value of my life or my destiny. What happened that I got sidetracked with that? Mm -mm. You know, there's a lot of people today that are doing very well financially. Even I would say a lot of good people that maybe uh, they are in a sense, maybe not even a Christian, but perhaps they realize, hey, uh, you know, uh, financial freedom is good. Uh, liberty is good. And they're able to value biblical things, but maybe they, they can even understand government um, uh, invasion and oversight through, uh, you know, uh, all the things that the government can do where, you know, uh, you know, not respecting your privacy or overtaxation or all these things that people talk about sometimes, or, you know, it just goes on and on. And sometimes people, they are very aware of good things and very discerning of also what is wrong, but yet they give no interest to their soul. Maybe they have money 
And they talk about how to protect your savings and how you should have uh, this much amount of cash on hand and how you should invest in precious metals and this and that and all the other. And all of that could actually in some ways be good natural advice, but they do all this talking and they don't even know Jesus. I'm like, what does it even matter? Or you have Christians also that get all caught up in that too. And it is good to know wisdom and good information. But what, what, what does so a lot of these things even matter when, first of all, some of these economic forecasters say, you know, the stock market's going to crash, or the dollar's going to be devalued, or this and that, or this and that. And uh, so you need, to flay, you need to flee to these uh, safety and security measures, and this and that and other. And a lot of the people that are teaching this stuff are in their 80s. And you think, haven't you ever thought about God? You're not even going to be alive much longer. You're at the end of your life, and you don't, you've lived your whole life, and you have never served God. You've never, certainly never honored Him with your money. And how can you be so uh, right in this, but yet you're still missing the whole thing? So all I'm saying today is watch out for stuff like that, because with the Internet... See, it says in the book of Daniel that knowledge will increase in the last days. With the internet, you have all kinds of knowledge. You have countless voices, and a lot of it, a lot of it can be good. A lot of it can be factual. A lot of it can be accurate. But, my friends, a lot of it can also distract you and pull you off of that very focused walk that God wants you to have. And it's only by the Holy Spirit and He leading you that you're ever going to complete the destiny that He's designed for you. Not what somebody else has designed or thought they think is best. And they're not even serving God. Mm -mm. A real loss of interest of things that are unimportant is going to be taking place in the lives of many of you over the next three months. Psalm 84. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Psalm 84. I can't help of uh, one economist. Very, very good man. From the perspective of understanding good government, corrupt government. Understanding good uh, economics and crooked economics. And, you know, he was saying, he was saying, you know, uh, the dollar is eventually going to collapse and it's getting devalued more and more. Interest will go higher and higher. We're going to have hyperinflation all day. He was like a preacher of all this. And warning everybody, guess what happened? He died. <laughs> he, and, and, and it never happened. <laughs> Everything that he was proclaiming, all oh, you can be technical, technically correct because you're looking at graphs and charts. And you, you can see, hey, th th this is what all the other governments of the world, they've done the same thing. And eventually there's a meltdown. Okay, because you can't you can't keep spending and spending and spending, and you're br you're bringing in less than what you're sending out. You can't you can't keep doing that. Uh, eventually, there's going to be a debt collapse, and so forth. He proclaimed it and proclaimed it for decades. It never happened in his lifetime, and I don't even think he knew about Jesus. Wow. Mm -hmm. So watch out, watch out. See a lot of these uh, forecasters. They can't forecast. What God is going to do. God could send one revival. One move of the Spirit. And it begins to alter all kinds of things. Next thing you know. You've got hardened sinners getting saved. And things begin to happen. And God can extend grace. Just like He did for Nineveh. And Nineveh didn't get wiped out. When Jonah thought it was going to. Now eventually later it did. 
But it doesn't mean it has to happen now because I believe God wants to bring in the big harvest right now. End time harvest. The church is busy. Ministry is growing. The work of God, the kingdom of God expanding. Praise the Lord. That's why I pray for our president, President Joseph Biden. He may have an ideology that's different from mine, but I pray for him. I pray for Vice President Kamala Harris. I don't want this nation to collapse. I don't want the dollar to be devalued. I'm praying that God hold it together. And I'm praying that God give President Biden wisdom. And I'm praying that God keep things stabilized so that the work of the Lord can continue to go forward. Because honestly, nobody wants to be going through life with the lights turned off, no electricity, and, uh, and society just beginning to fall apart. No, nobody wants that. Praise God. Mm -mm. So I pray for our leaders. I pray for the governor of my state. I pray for the leaders, uh, the mayors of the, the respected uh, uh, areas of my town, the city, uh, the you know, board, and, and, and so forth. Because I want good things to happen, not bad things. Praise God. Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Well, at our house, this it's been like Bird City <laughs> over the last month. We have had birds. We've had Carolina wrens. We have had um, uh, red finches. We've had uh, now the swallows, or it's, like, it's not like technically, actually, I think it is a swallow, some kind of Carolina swallow, uh, swallow moving in and bird, nests being built. And uh, it seems like as soon as one bird, uh, the two, uh, you know, husband and wife have, have the little eggs and the little babies fly off, they, and they leave, boom, another family's in. Sometimes it's a completely different bird species, and they're just birds everywhere. Hawks are showing up now. Fascinating, praise God. It's beautiful. Spring, amen. Summer. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself. Sounds like my house, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. My friends, Obed-Edom ended up becoming a doorkeeper in the house of God. Three months, God blessed him. The presence, the power the wealth that began to flow so that later when David came and took the ark from the home of Obed-Edom to Zion, what took place is that shortly thereafter, Obed-Edom packed everything up and he moved 10 miles to Jerusalem himself. Praise God. He relocated and there he was inducted into service at the tabernacle as a gatekeeper. We see this in 1 Chronicles chapter 26. Let's turn there. 1 Chronicles chapter 26. And I'm about to close, and I want to pray for you today. 1 Chronicles 26 verse 4. 
Moreover, the sons of Obed-Edom were Shemaiah, the firstborn. And then it goes on to list the other sons. And verse 8, all these were the sons of Obed-Edom, they and their sons and their brethren, able men with strength for the work, 62 of Obed-Edom. So these are the sons and grandsons of Obed-Edom, 62 of them. And I told you that God was blessing Obed-Edom, his household. He's blessing his children, his marriage. And now the sons and the grandsons are all involved in the work of God. I'm telling you, the, the rabbi said that's one of the greatest ways that God blessed him was God blessed the family and his descendants. And he got all the icing on the cake also in the other areas. Increase of property, uh, homes, and uh, all kinds of things that were taking place with the wealth increase that happened in his life. So again, very briefly, these four things, you will be encountering these in various ways as you wait upon the Lord, as you experience the Obed-Edom reality of the Ark of the Covenant in your house, having personal encounters with the Lord over these next three months, you can experience one, three very clean months, three very joyful months. These three months will also, and they must be, very prayerful months. And don't forget in that prayer, Lord, lead me away from temptation and deliver me from evil. Because the enemy's not going to like what God's going to be doing. That's okay. Let God bless you. But just be aware so that you can flow with the Spirit and avoid those things. Many of them, many of them, it's just like a ship going through an iceberg field. And the Holy Spirit just says, okay, let's just go. And you walk. Sometimes you're like, don't go in there. Something going, on, something going on in there. You don't even need to see it or hear it. Don't go there. And you know, and you know, don't go in there. And so you don't. Well, I wonder what it was. Who cares? Just miss it completely and sail on smoothly. That's going to be happening in very real ways. And also, number four, a loss of interest of things that are unimportant. Praise God. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you right now that over these three months, the anointing continue to flow and grace flowing for you to draw very near to the Lord. Father, I pray for your people as their hands are lifted up. Lord, let the oil of your spirit fall and flow upon them. The oil of joy in your presence is there's this great joy. Father, let it be flowing. I just thank you, O oh God, you're going to give them a great spiritual awareness Again, I'm getting, oh God, that for many, you're going to speak to them through dreams. There will be some that will push along the line a little bit of the night season seeking. We thank you, Father God, that they can work with you and your Holy Spirit on uh, mapping that out. Father, we just give you praise. We thank you that you're a good God and you're blessing us just like you did Obed-Edom. We thank you, oh God, that you're good. And we give you all of the praise as we reverence, respect you, and love you, and bless you. In Jesus' great name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Praise God. If you're watching today's program, and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you need to know Him. And today, let today be your day of salvation. Pray this prayer out loud. Pray it from your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
but you died on the cross to save me. Jesus, wash my sins away. Come into my heart right now. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, I give my life to you completely. Step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. The Lord has heard that prayer and he has saved your soul. Amen. And I would love to hear from you that those of you that just prayed that for the first time, email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org and just say, Pastor Stephen, I prayed the prayer of salvation. Praise God. Amen. Now all of God's people, let's take Holy Communion together today. I want to encourage you to grab some, some grape juice and grab some some unleavened bread. A little cracker will do just fine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. And through this prayer, we consecrate it. That is, we set it apart as being holy. We thank you that it now is through this prayer. We thank you this, that, Father, this is, the, this is the body, the flesh of Jesus, and his blood. So, Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we just thank you, O God, for three months of your glory coming down, answers, encounters, dreams, supernatural experiences, visions. Thank you, Father God, safety and peace and protection and a lot of joy. Thank you, Father God. Answers are coming. Miracles are coming. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Just lift your hands to him. Jesus, we praise you and thank you. Lord, come on into our house. Tell him that. Say, Lord, come on into my house. Lord Jesus, we praise you and give you glory. Glory to your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that if we've committed any sin that you would forgive us. Wash our sins away. We thank you, Father. We are your people. We thank you, Father. God, let your blood cleanse even to our conscience. We thank you, Father. We also forgive anybody, anyone who, would, who has sinned against us. We forgive and we move on with hearts of thanksgiving. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these great encounters. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise God. Praise God. Release your faith and trust that God is going to bless you in a way similar to how he has blessed Obed-Edom. You too will have a testimony. Thank you for watching. I'll see you back next time.